Hello there, and welcome to episode 70 of Unknown Regents Podcast. I am your host, Michelle, and with me today, as always, is your other host, my son, Colin. You. And... Hey. <laughs> what? I said, hey. Oh, okay. Um, so today, well, firstly, we're good to be back. Yeah. Because it's been, according to, according to this, May 16th. Was the last oh, yeah? time we published anything, <laughs> but time flies. We had multiple graduations, and moving out of apartments, and all kinds of stuff going on. So, yep. Um, so that's how it is. You know, that's why it's unknown regions because you just never know what you're gonna get, and especially today, you're not even getting Star Wars. So <laughs> that's that's true. Par for the course, I guess, for us. But Star Wars adjacent. Definitely, uh, yeah. We went to see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yep. Twice. We saw it twice. And it sounds like I'm going to have to see it again. I don't know if you're going to go again because Delaney wants to see it again. Oh, really? And she's only said, yeah, she said she wants to see it again. So that's a big deal. That tells y'all. I know. <laughs> Just right. Right off the top. I don't think she's ever said she wants to go see a movie again. I know. It's weird. Yeah. Right out of the box, we're just going to say four out of four Whitlicks recommend this film. True. Indeed. Which doesn't happen all that often, I don't feel like. Yeah. I kind of think Delaney's usually the the one that doesn't recommend it. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I don't know. Sometimes dad is picky. Yeah. But um, four out of four. Whitlicks. So if you're if you're one of those people that didn't really like this film, actually I'm gonna recommend especially you if you didn't like this film or if you have beefs with it. Beefs. Stick around because I think this movie goes a lot deeper than what people are giving it credit for. And we got some stuff to say about yeah. it analytical stuff to yeah. say now granted this is probably not going to be <laughs> unfortunately how do you justify unknown regions podcast doing this how do i, I just- probably say that yeah i justify unknown regions podcast covering this film because well a like i said it is i don't think we've ever done anything i think this is the first time we've ever done anything non-star wars non-star wars related on this so this is kind of a big deal it is kind of a big deal but so is this movie kind of a big deal. It's the last Indiana Jones film. Okay. But how does it, you know. And it's Lucasfilm. Produced. It's okay. a Lucasfilm property. Disney Lucasfilm. So, and you know, the love of my life, Harrison Ford, is in it. Yeah. So. Indeed. Uh, to me, that's. And, and I hadn't even thought about really covering it until we saw it. And yeah. then I started hearing, like, chatter about how it it's not good. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, what? Okay. Well, we need to talk about it then because. Whack takes. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> whack takes. Like, like, you know, whack. as always, you're entitled to your wrong opinion. Mm. If you think this movie isn't a good Indiana Jones installment. Beg to differ pretty much uh, across the board. I think it hits every necessary Indiana Jones beat. 
Yeah, I think so. And then some. Yeah, I think so. Because, like I said, I think there's there's a lot going on under the surface, thematically, metaphorically. Right. So you know, I get if you don't like it, you don't like it. Okay, I'm not. I I say you're entitled to your wrong opinion. It's a joke. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get don't get mad. I'm just saying. Maybe there are things about it that you have not considered. Yeah. Perhaps. But the the downside to covering this is uh, my lack of memory. (laughs) And I don't have it on my TV to watch 17 times and sit there and take copious notes. That's fair. It's a a lengthy movie. It's like almost two and a half hours long. It's pretty long, long, yeah. I thought it was a lot longer the first time, though. Yeah. Second time it was a lot shorter, felt. Mm. Well, I just... If there's if there's names I don't remember, if there's plot points I'm confused about, uh, like how you know the sequence of events and there's a lot of characters and names, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm not super good at that. So apologies in advance if I forget. Right. I also don't really remember the, the names much. So I definitely looked up some names because I was yeah. already starting to forget. And, you know, Mads Mikkelsen has two names, so that's even more confusing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's start with just the people that made this film. So oh, yeah. much was made about the fact that Steven Spielberg was not going to direct this. And they brought in James Mangold. And I can't claim to be... A huge James Mangold follower fan or anything. Yeah. I've seen seen Ford for, versus Ferrari. That was an interest. That was interesting. I have not seen Logan, mm. which I know I'm a bad nerd for not having seen that because I've heard for years how good it is, but I just haven't seen it. Um, what else has he done? Honestly, I don't know. There's a long list. I mean, he's 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 a name. You know, yeah, he, oh yeah, he's got a resume. Um, but the writing team for for this for the script, the screenplay, is Mangold and Jez Butterworth and John Henry Butterworth. Mm. Also, um, not nobodies. They have they have, you know, they have a resume as well. Okay. And I'm real embarrassed because this fourth person, David Cope. K-O-E-P-P. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, I don't know that name. And then I looked it up, and he only just like wrote the screenplay for Jurassic Park. Oh, wow. And um, about Dang. 80 other things that I've seen. So Dang. apologies, Wrecked. David Cope. <laughs> I yeah. just didn't know your name. So it's a it's kind of a it's a deep writer's bench as well. Uh, and then, you know, produced by Lucasfilm, obviously. And we have our main man, love my life, Harrison Ford. Indeed. As well as uh, some new people. Like, like fr- first of all, Harrison Ford, Mads Mikkelsen, who yeah. I'm obsessed with. Yeah, also, he's a goat. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. What Stacked. else? <laughs> what? Stacked. Stacked. Completely stacked. I shocking, actually. It's a, it's almost like they went into my brain and was like, hmm, 
who would Michelle really just lose her mind to see as a trio in this film? It's those three people. I, I can't think of, unless they like hired BTS members. I, other than that, <laughs> this is Seriously, like yeah. top tier. You know. Yeah, it's she, pretty good. She's only swept the Emmys a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the best shows, in my opinion, uh, ever. Comedies, ever. Uh, Fleabag. Fleabag, yeah. And I was a huge uh, Hannibal fan. Is she in Hannibal? No, Mads. Mads oh, yeah, Nicholson sure. is Hannibal. Not to mention dabbles in the MCU, dabbles in Star Wars. I mean And outside of television as well. I just And movie he does video games as well. Oh yeah, he was in that what's that video game? Death Stranding. Death Stranding, yeah. He's been in other stuff too. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I didn't know where to look. When all of these people were on the screen, I was just kind of like, "Yeah, Dang. that honestly might be the downside of a mo- the movie. That might be a downside. Uh, like in a way, what are you it was about? it was hard to like concentrate on what was going on, which is, I guess is kind of a good thing. But um, just because like everyone you wanted to watch all the time, you know, I did. I did want to watch everyone all the time. <laughs> like when Mads wasn't on the screen, I missed him. Yeah, seriously. When Phoebe wasn't on the screen, I missed her. Like, I need them all at the same time in, like, an Easter basket. Um, And then this adorable kid, Ethan Isidore, playing Teddy. Oh, yeah. Who I I tried to stay as spoiler-free as humanly possible, so I didn't even know there was a kid. Yeah. I didn't even know. I didn't either. Until I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, my God. I love him. He's dope. He's so cute. He better come back. Yeah, I would like to see more of him and and uh, Helena. Okay, first of all, are we going to say Helena or are we going to say Helena? I, this I is don't such remember a... ever hearing Elena, Elena. Helena. Someone called her Helena in the movie, and I was like, uh-uh. You have to pick a side. You can't be flip-flopping between I Helena mean, if and Indiana Helena. Jones says Helena, that's what it is. Okay, agreed. Yeah. Because I know a Helena. Yeah. And... And she doesn't flip flop on the pronunciation of her name. Like she's she's she will tell you Helena. Yeah. So okay, she's Helena. I forget who said Helena. It yeah, might, I don't remember. It might have been a. It might have been a. Uh, are we gonna say the N A Z I word? I guess <laughs> it might have been a Nazi that said oh. <laughs> Helena. <laughs> so they don't count anyway. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So. Just as a little backup or background, I was curious whether this, the 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 MacGuffin of this film is a thing called the, how do I say it? How do I say the word? I can't remember. Antik- Antikythera. Antikythera. Yeah. Okay, thank you. That's the MacGuffin of this film. So that, uh, I was curious as to whether or not that's a real thing. It is a real thing. I looked it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's cool. There is this lady who's kind of an expert on it. I think she's written a book and everything. Her name is Jo Marchant, and she works for Smithsonian Magazine. And according to her, it's by far the most sophisticated technological device that survives from that era. It's essentially a pocket universe like a model of the cosmos. 
This is the most sophisticated example we have of ancient Greek technology. This is the pinnacle. We know of nothing else as complex as this. Whoa. There's nothing even close. Okay, I didn't know it was that serious. It's pretty serious. Okay. That's cool. But where it breaks from the plot of the movie is, uh, Archimedes did not build it. Ah. Okay. So they took some. Who built it? They took some artistic license. They don't know. There's like some suspects. Ah. They have a. Su- they, but what they did say was they doubt that it could have been built without Archimedes. Like his technology. Yeah. It's based yeah. on his. For sure. Math genius and principles and all of that stuff. So speaking of Archimedes, I looked him up too. I, I knew he was real, but I just wanted yeah. to. <laughs> I just wanted to see if he was the one that built it, but he wasn't like the timing is off, I guess. Oh, gotcha. <clears throat> but uh, it said he lived a couple of centuries too early oh, okay. to have made this particular Antikythera mechanism. But he could have easily invented this idea of representing the universe or celestial motions in a machine using bronze gear wheels. It probably would have started off a bit simpler and then been refined, incorporating the latest astronomical thinking over the centuries. We don't know for sure, but Archimedes would be our prime suspect for the person who invented this entire line of technology. Um, And just a little more background on him. He is called the father of integral calculus. What a beast. So... I don't get I don't get you, Archimedes. <laughs> I, I mean, that's basically just calculus. Yeah. I know, but I don't get uh, yuck. And also the father of mathematical physics, mm. generally generally regarded as the greatest mathematician and scientist of antiquity, and one of the three greatest mathematicians of all time. Nice. Also included Newton, Einstein, and Gauss. Oh, not Einstein. Not fascinating. Not on this, according to this person. Newton, dude. Uh, oh come on, he's hella I mean, important. Dude was wrong about a lot of things. So well, I didn't say f- physics. It says mathematician. Oh math. Okay. 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 That's fair. That's fair. Fair. All right. So Colin has some stuff to say about the music, but we're gonna kind of work that into our other discussions rather than just having a big mm. old music discussion. Yeah. Because it kind of fits in with some of the other themes and not music themes, but like. Narrative themes? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, just tell me whenever you want me to talk about it, I guess. All right. So there's lots of fun Easter eggs, which, duh, of course, there's going to be lots of fun Easter eggs. Right. Um, you looked at me immediately when you heard the Wilhelm scream. That was funny. It was interesting because it's always interesting because, like, in order to fit it in sometimes, you have to, like, speed it up or slow it down. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you kind of, like, in order to make it sound natural, you also have to adjust the pitch of it. Mm-hmm. And so they clearly, like, it was pitched differently. Really, was it? Yeah, it was noticeably, like, they did something to it, which is cool. Cause I did that with my capstone. <laughs> I had to, like, quicken it, like, really fast in order to get it in for, like, a frame. Like, it was, like, so short. But, yeah, that was pretty cool how that was used. And I don't know. I'm going to have to see it again to really make sure this is the case or maybe it's very obvious and I just didn't notice it the first time. But the second time I watched it, you know how the other Indiana Jones movies are pre-Disney yeah. era. Yeah. And the Paramount mountaintop fades oh. into like 
something the in the actual movie. So they couldn't do that the, this the, time. Ah, uh, I didn't even notice that. Because the Lucasfilm logo stuff. comes between the Paramount logo and the first shot of the film. Mm. But I think they did it anyway. Because the first shot of the film. Well, yeah. That's what I thought you were getting at. Yeah. Is the bag over 19, 1944 Indy's head. And it is definitely in the shape of a little mountain peak. Oh. Like it doesn't fade into it. Is I thought what I'm you were saying. trying. I thought you were getting at the Lucasfilm logo fades into the lock on the door, so they kind of did it anyway. How what? The Lucasfilm logo fades out, and it was over the lock of the door. Remember, and then it opens up. Uh huh. So like they they did it in a way, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think they. It's it's not a like a direct fade from the Paramount Mountain to something else in the film. But they did do a direct fade between something else. And but I don't know how that mimics a Lucasfilm logo. Does it? I mean, it's just, it's perfectly like over the thing. Oh, it is? Yeah. Like clearly they fitted it okay. to match up with the size of the lock. And it was also the same color. I mean, I I, I would assume that. Okay. I'll have to notice maybe that, that was again. a substitute. But maybe that's true. I didn't notice that either. It's so. going gonna, gonna to take me three times to notice things, apparently. This Dog. Movie. But I really do think. I thought think... that was the weirdest thing ever. Like when that happened, I'm like, whoa, what? I really I'm do just... think that the bag on his head is supposed to be the shape of uh, Paramount Mountain, which I is think funny. you're crazy. But that's I don't think I'm crazy at all. I think that's a little bit of a reach. Because they give you a fade. So why would they do that? Because it's funny. Okay. And it's an Easter egg, and it's cute. All right. Um, we got another biblical relic, which is actually a mislead. Yeah. Even though you, even though it, I guess if you followed anything about this movie, you knew it was going to be about this dial. Obviously, it's in the yeah. title and everything. But they kind of make you think it's going to be about this biblical relic again, but yeah. it's not. Yeah, that's um, cool. Indy loves a Nazi disguise. That happens again. And I honestly stopped trying to remember Easter eggs because I needed to take notes about other things. But there are a lot. Like, he references the blood of Kali. Oh, yeah. Much That later. was funny. Like, yeah. well, the comedy is on point, too. Like, oh, yeah, that was great. funny. It's really good. The kid asking him if he was around for the Wright brothers was yeah. hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. When they're about to go scuba diving and Teddy says they look like snakes and he's like, no, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh both times I saw it. Yeah, it was great. Um, ooh, and the other, one of the other Easter eggs I thought was kind of cool was when they cut to the shot of that ship in the water, it's the same musical cue that oh, they yeah. use in Raiders. Well... There, wait, are you, ta- are you talking about the one where the dude's about to burn Aaron's face? No. No, but that is used. The music in that scene is used. You kept saying the there are a lot of oh, yeah, music- no. musical cue yeah. Easter eggs. Well, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about, I think it's right after he's talking about um, Mutt. Oh. And it's like the next morning. It cuts to the next morning, and it's like a shot of the whole ship from far back yeah there's a cut in raiders and oh. it's the same okay it's like marion's theme i think and then it just like cuts to the next morning before the yeah. nazis come okay okay yeah that sounds right which 
I mean, I think it's identical. I think it's the exact same musical cue. Okay. And this, and it's a boat on the water, so. Classic. Anywho. Um, lots and lots of fun Easter eggs that we enjoyed. But I kind of want to get into the deeper depths of this movie because so many people are saying it's, you know, it's a good time, it's fun, it's this and that. But there's just, you know... It's us, so yeah. <laughs> we're picking up Do, on what they're laying down. Have you heard anyone else talk about this movie in this way we're about to? I haven't heard anybody except for Blast Points talking about it on a podcast. But, like, the movie, the way that we're about to. Like, I know they talked about the movie, but are we going to talk about it the way that, like, the way that we're about to talk about it? No, oh, I haven't. Cool. Okay. I haven't, but I also Let's haven't go. dug very deep to find anybody else talking about it, because I've been busy taking notes, trying to remember stuff. Okay. Okay. So it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be unknown regions if we didn't talk about names of things that might have a deeper meaning. So um, again, Helena Helena Shaw is the character's name, uh, played by Phoebe Waller Bridge, and she is the daughter of a colleague of Indiana Jones's, and so. There's this movie focuses a lot on ancient Greece and stuff that happened in ancient Greece. Indeed. And the name Helena, Helen, is very definitely tied to ancient Greece. Helen of Troy. Um, by the way, funny little side note, had a half sister called Phoebe. Oh. <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's funny. Um. But the name Helena or Helen means shining light or torch, which is interesting because so much of this movie kind of visually revolves around celestial What means that? Sorry. Bodies. Helen. Helena. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. So I'm interested though in it because of Helena of Troy. Like I think that's like an easy Yeah, it is. But Helena of Troy is like not the character of that that character. Like, I don't no, get that vibe. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And um but I'm just I I was interested in like, okay, why would they choose that name? That name yeah. is very obviously a Greek Yeah. Character person, you know. Yeah. So I think it might have something to do with it meaning shining light. Well I also guess that's a good point, but I also think a lot of people are after her in the movie. This is true. A lot of people are after her in the movie. So maybe that's like. And again, she's yeah. very, very, very linked to the Trojan War. And. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. War oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is a big. That's true. Yeah. Through line throughout this entire film. Like right. Wars of all different kinds and yeah. eras. And it, it runs through the whole thing. So. It's a good name for her. It, also it, races bunch of races like races races like race car races kind of race chases races whatever you want to say i don't know it's the space race they're always racing in cars the whole movie what is racing i don't know what that has to do with helena or no, helena i'm saying you were talking about how war is a theme racing oh. is a theme oh oh hang on man you can't <laughs> jump around that much i can't i, okay. I won't follow what the heck you're saying sorry <clears throat> it's tired. I'm I'm tired. <laughs> um, but more so, it seems very very clear that they are drawing 
a lot of similarities between Indiana Jones and Helena Shaw. Their lives and their experiences and their motivations even. Right. Um, crisscross. So um, you, I would even go so far as to say that she is his anima, but like... You got to explain what that means. His you anima is like the feminine side of him. But what's really interesting, though, is even if she is his anima, she's almost like his past self in that she's in it for the money. Right. She's basically in it for fortune and glory. You know, the famous line from. He wasn't in it for wealth, wasn't he? literally said in, in, in Temple of Doom, he's in it for the fortune and glory. Anya Jones. Yes. Yes. He and Shorty were both like fortune and glory, fortune and glory. That is that was their motivation to begin with when they first went after Well, I'm confused then because the, stones. At the beginning of the third movie he's about all about like getting things, returning them to the museums. Sure, I'm saying this is his former self. I don't. Well, but I thought Temple of Doom was before Raiders. It is. Okay. So he went from liking it to or doing it for museum to not wanting to do it to museum to no, doing no, no, it for no. museum. Temple of Doom is the earliest one. No, I'm talking about the no, the beginning of the last crusade is him as a child. Right. And then he goes to being Temple of Doom dude and then he oh, goes okay. to being Raiders dude. Oh, I dude. see what you're saying. So you're saying uh that's the story. I don't right. know. But that's I mean, that's how he was in Temple of Doom, for sure. What? Fortune and glory. Why you, am I not remembering this? I do not know. That is a major quote from that movie, probably because you haven't watched it. Why seventeen thousand times? Like what I is have. it? But but when and why would that even be brought up? It is brought up because they are having a discussion. He and Willie and Short Round. They're already on their way to the palace. Okay. They're camping overnight. And she basically asks him, oh, shoot, sorry. Bruh. I don't know why that was even on. Um, I think she asks him, what are you, what, what's your motivation, basically? And he says, fortune and glory, and short round even repeats it. Okay. Fortune and glory. All right. So, in that way, she is his hmm. big reminder, big reminder of his past self. Which is going to be like a major conflict within him, within himself, during this movie. It's Indeed. really all about that. Yeah. Um, but other ways they are similar. They're both raised by geniuses. They both like you know she rattles off codes, ancient Greek. They they both were made to learn all about these ancient cultures. Uh, like I said, the fortune and glory thing. They both had a major loss of loved ones. They both befriended a child thief and basically taken them under their wing. True. Her, her friggin' outfit in Syracuse is yeah. literally, she's got a, she's got the hat, she's got the boots, she's got the pants, she's got the white shirt, which, by the way, I noticed in the credits, it said that that was styled by Stella McCartney and it was upcycled and styled by Stella McCartney. Stella McCartney is a big deal um, fashion designer. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. So she 
the treatment styled uh helena's indiana jones-esque outfit that's cool um she uh he even asks her why would you choose to pursue the object that drove your father crazy when he did the exact same oh, thing the holy grail. yes <laughs> the holy grail yeah all right um and i kind of have noticed I'm not David W. Collins, unfortunately. I cannot sit at my keyboard and play for you how these themes are are identical or not identical or similar. If we recorded on, uh, well, actually, I'm not sure if Adobe Audition does, is able to do MIDI, but if we recorded on Pro Tools and we had better mics and I could use my interface, I could hook this keyboard up. Yes, but you couldn't just like whip out Hel- Helena's theme out of your. I probably could. <laughs> well, I too know. late. We don't have that ready for you, but yeah. What I do know is her theme is structurally similar to the Raiders March, which is obviously Indiana Jones's theme. It's not similar, you know, melodically or anything like that. But if you look at the... I'm sure it is. It might be. Yeah. But if you look at the rising and falling, the way they both... Contour. Contour. There you go. That's the word. That's why we keep him around. He knows all the words. It, yeah. <laughs> it rises and falls. It rises and falls. And then it like circles downward. And then it goes back up again. And if you want to really hear a very fascinating um, analysis of the Raiders March, David W. Collins did an excellent one that basically said that Raiders March is Indiana Jones's character. Yeah. You know, it goes up, then it goes down, then it goes up, then it goes up, 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 then it goes back to the beginning, and then it circles down, and it does all this, you know, rising and falling. Kind of like him. It's in, like, the harmony as well. <clears throat> right. Hers does very similar things. It's a very romantic, much, it's not a march, obviously. It's a very, I've heard people. I don't know if romantic is the right it's word. It's romantic. It's very, like, Casablanca-esque. Yeah, but is that romantic, or is that, like, sly? Because when I listen to her theme, I think it's more it's sly both. than romantic. I think it, it feels both. It really does to me. Okay. It does have a wit about it. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing it does that is so funny, it almost feels like yeah. it's going to lead into the Raiders March. There's this, there's this, I, I don't know, what would you call that, a I don't know the terms for like symphonic. It's almost like a bridge. Okay. Yeah. And it comes to a point where you can literally hear in your mind's ear the Raiders March picking up and going on with it, but mm-hmm. it doesn't. And then it goes like back down again. Mm-hmm. It's very, very, it's very cute. It's very, <laughs> J Dubs is sly. J Dubs is sly. I think he's sly. He was in his bag on this one. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful, beautiful piece of music. In his bag. This score, by the way, absolute dubular, man, dubular. It's great. It's I very good. To, I don't know what to say. It's as good as a film score can be. It's <laughs> like, so good. It does what a film score is supposed to do. That you know? um, it almost you you don't even notice it's, how good it's, it is. It's jiving with the sound effects. It's jiving with the dialogue. It's jiving with the characters. It's jiving with the environment. It's jiving with the action. It's jiving with the with the costuming. Even it's jiving with the cinematography even a little bit like the coloring and then it's just like everything like it just literally embodies like 
jives with everything, which is the ideal film score, in my opinion. Because everyone always says, like, film scores are supposed to do... Like, even at this book... I have a textbook somewhere, and I it's actually forwarded by John Williams, which is cool. But... Are you listening? Yeah. That's cool. It is cool. Okay. What book is that? Uh, it's... Like, for what class was it? It might be right here. Hold on. Uh, it wasn't for a class. Oh, you just bought it? Yeah. Or did I buy it for you? No. I got it. I got it at the library. Oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, but basically, like, everyone always kind of says that film the the goal, the point of film scores is that they're not noticeable in that they uh, they f- they serve the film like you always hear about that serving the film and i think a lot of the time what people think that means is the emotion of the film that's it the emotion which is not specific at all like are we talking about emotion like for like character perspective or are we talking about like my emotion when i'm watching it or we talking i don't know there's like a lot of things and emotions is super vague and I feel like what he does is he does that, but he also makes it an integral part of the film. Like, it's actually part of the film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like an add-on that someone did the last four weeks of production, which is what normally happens. You know what I mean? Right. Well, it's not commentary. It's, like, dialogue. He like gets it's the, in the he movie. He gets the respect that all yeah. composers should probably get when I agree, scoring but, a film. But I don't know if many are capable of achieving that level, to be honest. You know, like, that level of integration. Like, it's just, it, it's so intense. Like, one of the parts that I mean by this is that there's a part, well, can we talk about the movie? Like, actually tell you, like, parts of it? Um, If you're going to talk about the thing that blew your mind, can you wait till we get to that I'm not. theme? Oh, okay. It's before that, actually. Okay. No, go ahead. Tell, talk about whatever It doesn't really have to do with music specifically. It's just, like, how the music is used. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To justify my point, because basically, like, there's a scene where there's dialogue. It's basically like if there's such thing as an anticlimax. Is that a thing? It's like it's like the it's the lowest the characters are in the story, at their lowest. Yes, there that is a thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What is that called? You know what that's called? It's a Greek word, and MC would have my I'm head sure. for not knowing <laughs> off sure. the top of my head. I just know it too, but pulling but, it out of my brain, and I can't at this moment. But antithesis. It is, uh, no, it's like, <laughs> Start I, can't, words I can't think of the name of the word. I'm so okay. sorry. But it's when like the characters they're are at their lowest. At their lowest yeah. And right before. It's when they're in the, can I yeah. talk about the movie? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. You can talk about whatever It's you when want. they're, spoiler alerts, obviously. They're, they're in the cave system, Dionysus ear cave. Dionysius. By the way. Oh yeah, yes. It's not Dionysus. It's right. Dionysius. That's true. That's true. My bad. But. Different guy altogether. But there's. <laughs> That's a real thing, by the way. That I cave. know. I believe it. I don't think it would just like build that. Is it underneath that temple too, just like that? Uh, yeah, it is. That's so cool. Dude. I know. Anyway, um, it's when they get caught with the second half of the Antikythera, and they're kind of like exchanging words back and forth before the action breaks out. Mm-hmm. And there's pauses in between every line, approaching the gunfight, like literally literal pauses in dialogue between the characters. Okay. And between every pause, there's a chord. Between every pause. Mm. Like, not, like, loose goose. Maybe f- maybe fudging some of the lines. Like, he's very careful to treat the dialogue like it's music. And it serves the purpose altogether. Like, when I, when I watched that scene the second time, I was, like, watching it, realizing that the chords were, like, wor- words. And, like, responses to the words. You know what I mean? And they were in between, so they didn't obfuscate dialogue. 
Like the finesse, dude. And I don't think he uses like Pro Tools or anything like that to get tempos. I don't think he does that. He I just think he knows by, the tempo and he, he just does goes. everything by hand still. I but think. he's so smart, dude, because there's like a sustained chord underneath it. You could do anything you want in that sustained chord. Like you could just have a fermata and just like cue the orchestra to play the next chord in between the lines. I don't know what he did, but it works perfectly. And it like, like literally the second time I watched that movie, I'm watching this scene and I knew it was coming and I was trying to guess where the chords were going to be. And I could guess where the chords were going to be. It was so natural, dude. It's like, it's like language, like literally, you know? So that's just one of those moments that I'm just like, dude, he, that he, is something else, man. Like that is not something done in any other movie, dude. He was having his mind blown it's the first just, time we so saw finessed. it, <laughs> it it's so like, finesse. He kept looking over at me, and by it's the just way, ripping, dude. I don't know. Just, just so that you know this, yeah. there's something about the wavelength of your voice when you try to talk quietly during a movie. Uh, <laughs> that okay. I can never. Oh. <laughs> it does not matter if your head is an inch it's away from my ear. I can't hear anything okay. you say I when that. you are trying to talk quietly. So next time we're at a movie and it's loud, just like talk. Well, Don't also, even no, try to whisper. You have to. I can't But I hear also you. was not sitting next to you. If I was sitting next to you, I'm sure it would have helped. No, no, no. I'm talking about the first time we saw it. Oh, yeah. When you were sitting next to me. I oh. still can't hear you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're sitting... Okay, well, in my lap, I still can't hear you. But there's that. There's elements like that, right? That's like a compositional thing. Mm-hmm. But there's also orchestrational things, which if y'all watch this movie and you see the credits, he orchestrated. There's actually an orchestration credit. Did you notice it the second you, time? I didn't. I meant to look, but you you caught it the first time that he and another person. Yeah, William Ross. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's just William Ross. He's na- his name is not there. It's just for composer. That's it. Mm. But to have his name there... Which is also sometimes just not done because of assumption. To have his name in that category means he must have spent a lot of time orchestrating that. It does mean that. So, there are several orchestrational moments that I think are awesome. Which, again, I said at the beginning of my, my monologue here, I said that the score... Why are you looking at your phone the whole time I'm talking? I'm trying to look up this word. Would you just... Okay. I'm listening. Just um, keep talking. What was I saying? I was saying how the score is integrated into the movie alongside the dialogue, right? That's mm-hmm. how, I, that was an example of that. But there's also the score alongside the sound. Sound effects. Yeah. One of the greatest moments in this movie about that, like in that ballpark of idea or whatever I'm saying, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the there's, in the beginning of the movie, a nuclear or a lot of nuclear, just a bomb, like some kind of missile bomb, whatever, mortar of some kind, falls through the roof of this building and it doesn't detonate. It just like hits the ground and everyone's kind of like, uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's like slowly sinking into the ground and there's this ratchet that's just like, as it's like falling down into it, it's kind of like kind of reminiscent of like ticking, just like really fast timer ticking, which is really cool. Like it's not really musical. That's like sound, you know, but it's, and he's been doing that ever since episode five, Star Wars, 1970s, 1980s. He's been doing that for like a long time. But watching him do it with modern film is so interesting. Because <laughs> no one does that. Like, you never expect that kind of thing, you know? People are just writing like beats and like producing and it's music. Like, for sure, that's dope. But this is music that transcends music. It's not music. 
it's like something else. That's always how I interpret this kind of thing. It's you it's can't not call even it music. it's not know. even Mickey Mousing even because it's like well, there's a lot of that. But there is a lot of but, that. But that's not that. I mean, that's particular. but that's another beautiful thing that he does that not a lot of other people do. You know, which is crazy because that's like the thing. <laughs> that's like the film scoring thing. Like every time a car door gets swung open, there's like a bam, like a big hit. There's when they dive into the water. The four of them, there's a chord that like gets more dissonant and suspenseful every time one of them falls, right when they hit the water. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't even notice that. It's just like... It's just crazy. I need it's to... It's just insane. I need though. to try... See, I need to try to just concentrate on the score and stuff yes. like that the next time I see it. It's... But that's the funny thing. I but don't I get, concentrate on the score. I get caught up in the action. I, don't, I know, I understand. But I don't concentrate on the score. It's just so good. And I'm just watching the movie, and I know what happened, but I wasn't listening to it. Well, does that I mean, make sense? You're a musician and a composer, so For sure. But I'm, obviously, but I'm saying you're going to hear that. Attention to it, like it just it fits so well. You know, I I hear that I'm you. I'm not paying attention to it, and I know what's happening. You know. Also, yeah, just like the chase music is all super fun, cool time signatures, cool references of music from the old movies. Older movie. Oh yeah, for sure. There's a lot of that. The Nazi theme in the beginning. There's a lot that of that satisfying. going on. We did not get the original Nazi theme though ever in that movie. Oh yeah. Just the one from Last Crusade. Oh, you know, I was gonna ask you something yeah. before I forget. I was a little bit surprised the first time we saw the movie that they just come right out with the Raiders March in the prologue in the you know yeah, 1944 yeah, yeah. part of the story. But now I understand why because it's. We start the story with him basically rock bottom. We set it up. Oh, oh, like well, after the prologue. Yeah, after yeah, after yeah, yeah. 1944. And like you're not going to play it at that point. No, but then I was like, but when do we hear it? In like not in a flashback. And I was trying to remember you're driving the, a car. The first time we hear it, do the they tuck not? Tuck? Do they not? Do we not hear it when he's on the horse? I don't think so. In the city. I don't think so. No. I'm gonna pay attention to that when we see it again. He's not really heroic at all. I guess he's kind of running away, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but no, I remember distinctly there's a moment where he's driving the tuk-tuk and you hear it. Okay. All right. Which uh, is like halfway through the movie. I'm going to pay know? attention again because, yeah, that was interesting that they used it for 1944. I, I mean, it makes sense in what the story that they're telling that they would do that. But And also like the pointillistic, like goofy pizzicato style of the music that's really fast and scherzo like during the moment when the antique there is getting tossed around just like oh yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah. And the <gasps> that whole scene the music in the whole scene that's with very... the, the auction yeah yeah crazy it's so good yeah that yeah. whole all of that was so good actually the action and everything yeah honestly the mickey mousing in the, I, normally i don't like mickey mousing very much i don't i don't like when it's like done all the time and it is done all the time in this movie. It is. <laughs> it is all the time. But it's it's the orchestration, I think, that solves the problem because it makes it interesting to listen to. Like, why, like, you know, if it's low brass versus, like, low woodwinds versus, like, pizzicato versus percussion versus, you know, sound effect or something, foley or whatever. Like, there's always, like, a punch to things mm-hmm. every, all the time. But it's, all like, not annoying. Which... It's got to be the orchestration. I, I, that's the only reason I wouldn't be annoyed. But 
Also cool, like, Flight of the Valkyrie references. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we got to mention that. And the... Um, list references. Cool Beethoven references. It's like, all that stuff, you know. The, um... I guess Voller's theme is... Oh, well, you tell me. I Maybe he doesn't really have a theme. Maybe it's just, like, the it's bad little, guy music. But yeah. it's, it's very... Like, sh- it's very Chopin, uh... Funeral March. But that's not his theme. That's just like a Nazi thing. Okay. But that's very Chopin, right? Yeah. And then and then I was like, I literally asked Colin, I'm like, why did he do that when Wagner's like sitting right there? Because it is Wagner. (laughs) But then he was like copied. But the other the other theme is very is very Wagner. I'm like, oh, okay. It's definitely there. Yeah, like how you gonna how you gonna have a Nazi theme and not use Wagner when the yeah. dude was yeah horrible yeah <laughs> yeah uh, okay I guess we can move on um, a little bit oh, but you clipped bro sorry maybe turn on your mic a <clears throat> just a tiny bit you know? turn it what turn down your mic maybe just I'm like just a tiny gonna bit gonna move it away from me a little bit instead no 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 don't do that just turn it down a tiny little bit okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, but I guess uh, the, you're rushing me along. I'm not rushing you along. We're going to bring up other things as we go. Like I said, that it's like real pertinent to some of the themes, but, um, so yeah, Helena's super important and I absolutely will not take any, any Helena besmirching. Like I won't. That character, A, very funny. We needed something to parallel Indiana, or, or, or like juxtapose, really, Indiana Jones' energy in this movie, which is, he's it said it himself, he's old. Yeah. He can't run, really. He can't run around. He doesn't even talk fast, like, anymore. He's just, yeah. he's 80, okay? You're right, dude. They did it right. She has all the energy. She's the one. She's the quippy one. She's the one that's driving the action most of the time in this movie. Yeah. Factual. Absolutely 100% needed. And stunning. Gorgeous. <laughs> to look at. What else do you want? I don't understand. <laughs> um, and in a way, I, I kind of... You know how I'm always defending Willie Scott, the the woman, the character, his love yeah. interest yeah. in Temple of Doom. Yeah, I will never stop defending her. I understand because I feel that all of the um, anti Willie Scott agenda is just comes from misogyny. Period. Ah. She's a very feminine, feminine woman. Feminine. She cares about things like clothes. And her hair and her nails and jewelry. Like a girl. Like a girl. (laughs) A girly girl, which I am one. Ew, bro. Not the girly girl. So I loved her. Not the girly girly girl. (laughs) A girly girly girl. Not the Barbie girly girly girl. I loved her as a child. I love her still. You're the first person and only person I've ever heard say that in my life. Well, that's false because every time I post about her... People there say, are people who are like, yeah, you're right. It is misogynistic to to hate on Willie Scott because, 
I mean, it's obvious that they were going for something the very opposite of Marion Ravenwood. Yeah. Very opposite. She's materialistic. She's capitalistic. Yeah. She's dating a mobster just because she likes the clothes. Mm -hmm. Okay? She's a singer. She's an actress. All of these things are not Marion. Like... They're they're not gonna put the same character in the next movie is just with a different actress. That would be silly and not interesting. So there are many, many reasons why I defend her. Helena Shaw has colors of Willie Scott in her. Oh. Okay. Not only is she like, in my opinion, paralleling Indiana Jones's old fortune and glory self but she's very feminine yeah that's true she's beautiful she cares about her clothes yeah she cares about the way she looks she's obviously uh what's the opposite of a womanizer i don't know a manizer (laughs) um a player either way a player yeah like she's got this guy how did i clip Clearly in love with her. I didn't even yell. Who proposed and she sold the engagement ring. Like the whole thing. Funny and very. There are colors of Willie Scott in Helena Shaw is I'm saying. And yay. Because we love that. We love her and we love Willie Scott in this house. <laughs> and I'm looking at you that and you, you just me? have to love her. I don't care if you do or not. What are you talking about? Willie Scott. I don't mind that character. I, I'm all right with You're that character. Right with that character? Okay. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that she represents is we're told um, pretty early on that this is Indiana Jones's goddaughter. And he has a little nickname for her. That's cute. Calls her yeah. Wombat. Yeah. Adorable. Uh, by the way, the child actress that they cast as... Pretty solid. Pretty solid. They even gave her the birthmark and everything. Um, is that a real birthmark she has? Or mm-hmm. is it... That's a real birthmark. Is it really? Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's fascinating so, to see people with like birthmarks on their face mm-hmm. get roles. <laughs> I mean, she I feel like in a world wrote her own yeah true TV show so and cast <laughs> That's herself. Fair. She Lin Manuel Miranda. That's herself. true. That's true. Uh, but you know she's a genius, so she can do whatever she wants. As far as I'm concerned, um, but the the deal is that Indy has lost his biological child, and his marriage is over. And Helena pops up from out of nowhere. And this is another familial bond. Oh, wait. That he let go of. Can I say something really quick? Yeah. I also realized there's also St. Helena. Oh. I'm going to look into that. True. Right now. Keep going, though. There, <laughs> it's a volcano, in fact. Yeah. Named um, Mount St. Helena. So there's that, too. Yeah. She's pretty volcanic at times. Indeed. Indeed. Plows into his life and just blows it up. That's a good basically. point. That's a good point. St. Helena is the patron saint of difficult marriages, divorced people, converts, and archaeologists. Get out. There we go. We solved it, baby. We sure did. Good job. Let's go. I did it. You did it. Your research sucks. My research sucks. You're correct. Oh, that's hilarious. And divorces. That's funny. Divorces bro, that's and funny. archaeologists. Yes, we got it. We did it. <laughs> Guarantee you they thought that. 
Guaranteed. Well, th- that is not a coincidence. There's Guaranteed. no possible way that's a coincidence. I can't believe that. That's crazy. That is crazy. And <laughs> also, I can't, cool that it's a woman. And I can't Who believe thought? I, a saint? That's a no, woman? No. What do you mean? But of archaeologists. Because I feel like archaeologists oh. is claimed by men. Well, there must be a reason. She, archaeology. She must have done something that was... Yeah, I guess. Maybe there's somehow more related. details. But that is really funny. He does. She does roll into his life and just completely blow it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good. But yeah. good job, Colin. Yes. You get a cookie yes. later. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to talk about after this. Talk about. Get a quesadilla. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Um, but anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So Something she, not as important as this. No, it's not as important as that. I love. You know how I love name origins being meaningful. And that's. Again, no way that's coincidence. Her feast day is August 18th, too, if that means anything. I don't know. Um, I don't know. 818. Well, whatever date it was that they were talking about the whole time was in August, but I don't Ooh. remember what the date was. Ooh. But there's a there's a familial link to her that it's almost like she shows up at the exact moment that he is signing divorce papers you know like he's lost his family he's Dude, lost it. his son for real Can he's losing say... his wife I'm sorry. she shows up she has a quote-unquote son it's like he's getting he's she's showing up and being like here's here's your chance you know here's your chance to have a family again yeah um even though that's not what she says but that is like in the basically what is happening you know mm-hmm um, do you have something else to say? Could you oh, like, well, I was just going to say it's her. genius to name her Helena, though. It now, is. Now that I realize that it combines Greek mythology with biblical It is reference, genius. Which, as we have discussed, I'm pretty sure we've discussed this on this podcast, the idea that Christianity was like one of thousands of religions. Oh, yeah, you've talked about that because you learned that in a class you took. Yeah. Which, so, they blend very well. That's all I'm saying. That's genius, honestly. Genius. They did not need to name her that. No, of course not. They you know. did not need to name her that. They also did not need to put her into a, an outfit that looks exactly like yeah. his outfit from, you know, the earlier movies. Yeah. Um, they're definitely making it very clear that she's hella important to his journey Yeah. in this movie. Um. So, yeah. No shade about Helena on and, my watch. Yeah. <laughs> And also Teddy, you know, well, clearly Helena Teddy equals indie short round. Like, well, for sure. But Teddy, though, the name is interesting. Yeah. Because all I can think of is Teddy Roosevelt. Sure. But I know that that's a hole that is not fruitful. Probably. Probably not. I don't know. It's a cute name. Yeah. It's cute. Like Shorty was cute. You know what I mean? It's yeah. He's obviously older than Shorty was. He looks like he's probably like 14, 13, 14, something like that. Maybe it has to do with the Wright brothers. Hold on. Oh, just a bunch of pictures of teddy bears. (laughs) Wilbur and Orville? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Okay, I'm going to move on to the next topic. How much more is there to talk about? Ready? Um, I want to talk about how there's this chatter about Indiana Jones and his... I guess his life choice being 
quote unquote taken away from him at the end of the movie. Oh, okay. And it seems to be, I don't know. Okay. If you have that opinion, like genuinely, I'm not talking about you. But if you are a dude bro <laughs> who was mad that Luke Skywalker died in The Last Jedi, and now you are mad that Indiana Jones doesn't die at the end of this movie? Come on. Come on. <laughs> you're just, you're just, you're just, you're not processing your own fear of getting old and dying. Can we just please understand that? Like, please get it through the head that these men are old now, okay? So therefore their characters are old now. And Harrison Ford, I'm going to quote the man. So if you're going to be mad at somebody, I guess be mad at him. <laughs> um, but it just makes no sense to me. But Harrison Ford, it was his idea. He wanted this movie to represent literally an old man, Indiana Jones. He said it was his idea to show India at his lowest point when they cut to 1969. And... Not only that, he had just actually injured his shoulder, so he wasn't able to train. So he l has actually said himself, basically, I've never looked worse when mm. they cut to 1969 and he's shirtless and he's yeah. just like being such an old grouchy man. Yeah. King. He did it on purpose, guys. And to quote, the reason I wanted to do another Indiana Jones film was because of my current age. I wanted to see... Indiana Jones as an older man, I wanted to see him dealing with the loss of his youth, dealing with the loss of his vigor, dealing with the fact he's teaching archaeology to people who couldn't give a rat's ass about what he's talking <laughs> about in the past. In the movie. <laughs> Men are on the moon, man. There's rock and roll playing in the streets. There's a civil rights movement. There's a women's movement. There's a youth movement. There's psychedelic drugs and all that kind of stuff. And he's lost. Yeah. His marriage is in disarray, you'll learn later. But what I wanted from the cut it's a hard cut from 1944 to 1969. I wanted to explore the character. I wanted you to feel that he was not the Indiana Jones you knew and wonder why and want to know more. What a king. I wanted, first of all, king. the reason I wanted to be in my underwear is because I wanted to be vulnerable, to look vulnerable. Mm. That's straight from the man's mouth. Do you think he wrote this story? <laughs> I think he Had said... Had a part in it heavily? He said, I think he had final approval on the script. Wow, that's cool. He had a lot of input on Respect. the story. And he's, I've heard him say a hundred times, this is the movie he wanted mm. to make, and this is the story he wanted to tell. So don't blame Mickey Mouse if you don't like this movie. <laughs> I guess you can blame your hero, Harrison Ford. Facts. Because <laughs> this is what he wanted to make. Which, like, you can do that. And it was successful, in my opinion. Um, because the main theme of the movie is time. Yeah. It, it's a huge theme in the movie. Um, but more or less, this is like probably the most interesting Indiana Jones hero's journey. Oh, yeah. That he's taken that we've seen. Oh, yeah. 
And what's super interesting... We get some... I mean, it's it's just weird seeing character development with Indiana Jones. <laughs> it's really it's weird, weird seeing character development. Yeah. But that's what he want. That was the point. Yeah, I see that. According to him, that was the point. Respect to my mans. But as far as the hero's... If you're going to use a hero's journey lens... Imagine this not is, using Hero's Journey. Well, ima- I know. Lamau could it not be you. Couldn't be me. <laughs> but what's really interesting about this is that um, Joseph Campbell gets some flack from some people. Ugh. Because. These are not my kind of people. Because he said, <laughs> like, he was giving a lecture or whatever, and someone said, What about women? Yeah, facts. What about women taking the hero's journey? Yeah. And he basically said, not a thing per the ancients. Well, yeah. <laughs> and what I mean. women represent in, a tra- in, the, in the ancient sense of the hero's journey is the prize. It's the thing that they win, that they get to come home to. Yeah. And that is what happens in this movie. Indeed. Indeed. Well, but. I mean, you might be going in this direction, actually. I don't want to steal your thunder, hopefully. But she comes back to him. Yes. I don't think he comes back to her. I mean, I think they both do, actually. I no, think they both come back, back to each to other. Him. She comes back but, to him, and it is facilitated by but, who? But he comes back. Well, wait. But he comes back, literally, from a time period, back home. Yes. They both Unwillingly. do. Unwillingly. I think they both do. I think they both do. We can disagree. Who? Both. Like they both come back to Marian? each other. Not one going back to the other. I think they both come back to each other. That's I, how I very much disagree with that. Okay. He unwillingly, practically yeah, true. had to be knocked that's... out cold mm. by his what? By his anima, basically. His other self. Yeah. She facilitates that. She's the one that calls Mary. You're right. Right, dude. Okay, fine. But I'm it's saying so liter- good. I'm saying he literally comes back. She, like, wholly comes back. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what's also cool, like, like yes, that's that's a very, very classical interpretation of, of a hero's yeah. journey. But that's cool. But that's really cool. But what is extra cool about it, like I said, it's, it's Helena that yeah. drags him back. And Marion literally says the words, I heard you're back. Yeah. Are you back? Yeah. And then he's like, gets it. Then he gets it. Then he's like, uh-huh, I'm back. And the very last image we see is him grabbing his hat. Yeah. Off off the, the line outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you guys. It's, it's heat. It's really it's good. Heat. It's heat. It is so well written. It is so very basically well like the two feminine figures working together. One of them, in yeah. my opinion, his self, um, his his anima, reuniting him with his. It's smart. The, his, his long lost love <laughs> is so good. It and is a, old. It is a transformational ending. Period. period. With a T. Like. N- n- Done. Also, our boy Teddy's around. Done. <laughs> oh, the whole family. Solomon's got kids now. Or the so, whole yeah. family. Salas, Salas, kids Salas, are there. Yeah. He's Salas, got sorry. his quote-unquote daughter now, and her 
quote unquote son. Like he's got a whole family yeah. around him now where he started this movie with absolutely nobody. What? Super cool. Oh, Andy, you mean? Yeah. 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 Very transformational. And he basically becomes himself again. Yeah. They say he <laughs> says it out loud. To be so honest. it is a hero's journey. You think? Oh, it is a hundred percent. But we don't. It's very interesting. Like who's we don't. The, who's the teacher? We know. I mean, you don't have to have every single element for oh, it to be. I thought that was like super important. And it's though. very interesting that it starts with him. I mean, granted, he is a teacher, so maybe that counts. <laughs> He's. Uh, I mean, again, I mean, I would almost say it's it's. Um, or just the journey itself Helena. is teaching him. The journey itself is teaching, but Helena is too because she's like, dude. <laughs> Stop being this Dog. grumpy old man who thinks he has nothing. You do. You have all. You have people. People need you. Like she literally says it. This is not your time. You have to. You have your a place you're supposed to be. Sure. Yeah. So it's almost like she's the one. She's okay. the crux of it. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> but symbolically, it's like himself too. Yeah. Trying to get it. <laughs> trying to get through his own head. Sure. Um, awesome that Sala was in this. Yeah. And you would almost kind of say unnecessarily, in a, just for like nostalgia reasons. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't really do a whole lot, but what he does do that is important, um, when he takes Indy to the airport, mm-hmm. he's the one that says, Let's get back in the saddle. Yeah. Let's have an adventure. And Indy is the one that says, this is not an adventure. It's not what you think. We can't go back to that. That time has passed. And so I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> so really, <laughs> okay, it's foreshadowing. Yeah. When uh, Helena says that to him at the end. Yeah. Like, you can't live in the past, dude. Yeah. If you live in the past, you're literally going to die. Mm-hmm. Your soul is going to die, but also you're just actually going to die from that bullet wound because they don't have medicine here. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. But it was, obviously it was great to see Sala again. And I am still disappointed that um, we didn't get any little shorty cameo. Ah, uh, yeah. But, but also I was going to say this. There's a little bit of a different setup today for the podcast, but there's a monitor immediately like between – my mom and I and our microphones, and I think it's actually helping with canceling out the sound from you on oh, this mic. Oh, maybe. I think That's it's actually true. like our signals are really clean. Okay, can we talk about um, cool. Schmidt slash Voller? Sure. Which I think could be some kind of a German football reference. I was going to say it's a combination of Mahler and Wagner, but okay. Well, when I Googled Schmidt Voller. Oh, okay. There was like a, a a soccer team in Germany with a manager named I forget now whether it was the footballer named Voller and the manager named Schmidt, but it was like one of them fired the other one. I don't know, but that's kind of a coincidence, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe somebody I don't know is a big football fan. But I, I was know. thinking it was because Schmidt is such like an American name. That is true. And because we were talking about how there's this theme in this movie of, like, covert fascism amok in the United States. That is true, too. But you I know what like else is true? It's clever. Mm. They actually did. The United States government hire ex-Nazis 
scientists. Like this is Bro, a real thing imagine. that happened. This is a real thing that happened. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily for the the space program, but it was for something. Okay. Um, and it's it's a known fact that that did happen. So wild. This is okay. not even fake. This really okay. happened. Okay. I did not know that actually. That's crazy. But what's uh really cool about this character other than the fact that it's Mads Mikkelsen and he can I think I said on some social media platform if you're going to keep making him villains he's a great villain I agree but don't expect me to just be like I hate you because I love that man he is extremely good looking and like I he's already been him. the worst of the worst and you still aren't like he's been hannibal but he's like... been hannibal and now a nazi and i'm yeah. still like dude you're hot it, even in that stupid uniform he's a psychopath and that's training as well oh is he yeah it's actually he plays a very different role in that game from what i've seen from him mm. like like he's obviously played hannibal who is a psychopath but in the game he's like a like one of those like rabid psychopath it's very mm. fascinating it's like you would like joker psychopath kind of thing oh, okay. if you'd imagine him playing a role like that is he like wild and crazy yeah really yeah oh, i've never seen him unhinged it's yeah unhinged that's what i'm trying to say mm. yeah he's like Interesting. really scary in that game. <laughs> <laughs> like, those, those cheekbones can be scary but also just damn well there are like ghosts in that that game is cracked man there's like ghosts like, if you trespass on, like, territory in that game, there's, like, ghosts who, like, apparate and you can sink into the ground. It's, that like, a weird game. That game is wild. <laughs> it's a weird game. You, like, deliver packages. Uh, <laughs> That's the game. Like, literally, you're wow. just delivering packages. It's so awesome. This is the second one that came out. Yeah, I know. Um, so, Voller, we're just going to call him Voller because that's his real name. All right. Is a very interesting villain because... He's not like Molaram. Yeah. He's not a true believer in anything. Which is science, bro. Other than science. Which and we haven't math. gotten before. And math. Like He's like the he's like the anti Archimedes. Yeah. He's like the shadowy you're a shadowy reflection of me. Yeah. Says Belloc. Yeah. Um also I feel like he is very Belloc esque. Yeah. But he's like Belloc's stem cousin. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're, you know, Be- Belloc's such a cool character. And whatever happened to that actor? Like, that guy. That character is so good. That guy's a really good actor. And I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else. Anyways. Um, he's my favorite character in that movie. He's great. What's interesting about Voller is, to me, anyway, is that um, he really is kind of he 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 and Indy are kind of the same like again he's like a shadowy reflection of him of him he really wants to go back to the past well he's like he's like progressive Indy right he is he's true. like the he one who's into the future and the now and now moon stuff and like space stuff we want to go further well, we got to push using, boundaries he's you know? u- yeah he's using his his um he's focused on the future and and he's focused on the past but he's focused on the future to get back to the past (laughs) true true that's indeed true very very interesting and he indy literally goes to the past and progresses his character development right into the future right it's so he looks into the past for the future the bad guy 
Yeah. No, sorry. He looks, he into, looks into, into the future, future to get into the, the past. past. Yeah. Indy looks into the past and merges in the future. Yes. Well done. Like I said, there's good movie, good movie, stuff good movie. going on in this movie that yeah. people are just kind of not paying attention it's to. It's a good it's a good movie for the current day. Is the case. It really is. There's a lot of a good timepiece film, perhaps. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting play like that. I mean, bruh, and I'm sorry, but I honestly think one of the coolest things in that movie and the boldest choice in that movie, definitely by far, is that dude who's like his henchman. Mm-hmm. being in the movie. The one like that looks that like Michael Bean? Yeah. Like, that character's existence in the movie is kind of a crazy statement, honestly. I mean, it's on the surface, a very on-the-surface, on-the-nose statement on the nose. of fascism is in America, and yeah. what are we going to do about it? It's wild, man. Yeah. Which is fascinating, though, because in that time period, in the 60s and 50s, Mm-hmm. The main thing was the Red Scare. Right. McCarthyism. Uh-huh. So it's interesting that that was not the focus. You know, like that would be an easy kind of, you know, thing. True. Because the Red Scare thing was not about fascism. It was about communism. You know, and communism wasn't even mentioned in nope. the movie. Which, it's a good it's a good film about the United States. I, I'm just going to say that again. Yeah. Because it it's is. not like, it's very contextualizing into the modern day outside the film. Versus, like, they could have, like, they mentioned the space race, obviously. But other than that, you know. They mentioned this, the space race, though. It's clearly about the fascism. Is a, right, it is. it is But the space race being uh, a backdrop. Also one of my favorite historical events. I know. Makes he, an appearance. He did a space race paper yeah. in, like, grade school, and he loved it. It's just does. so cool. It's just so cool. <laughs> um. Like, I don't okay, I'm I'm gonna get to that, but before we get off of Voller himself, I uh, was thinking about remember how we were talking about, oh my god, it's so weird that we have Harrison Ford, Mads Mickelson, and Phoebe Phoebe Waller Bridge, who all have also been in Star Wars, obviously. Uh-huh. And then I started thinking about Wait. What? Phoebe Waller Bridge? She's L seven in Solo, the droid. Oh who becomes the the navigational system system of the Falcon, remember? You know what's funny? Did you forget about I didn't that? see... What's it called? That show she made? Fleabag? Haven't seen it yet. So when you said, like, I've only had to imagine that person in my mind, mm-hmm. I had no idea that that was her. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. So that's crazy. That's a new That's development. her. Okay. But it makes <laughs> totally. sense. It sounds like her. So she's the, She's literally the Falcon. That totally Navigational system. Okay, well, anyway, anyway. What were you Han Solo ship. Yeah, yeah, what do you say? Oh, yeah, weird. Wild. That's so um, odd. It's wild. Anyway. Do you think they know that? <laughs> of course they know it. Well, Phoebe Waller-Bridge like knows that. I feel like he wouldn't Harrison know that. Ford doesn't have a freaking clue. That's funny. In bro. fact, she was probably like, hey, I was in a Star Wars. And he was probably like. <laughs> Why? Liar. Like, what are Why you talking are you about? That trash? Yeah. Lies. Also, what do you think about my studio setup right here? It's great. It's the focus. Good. This is this is cool. I want to get an easel to go right here, <laughs> so I can put this there, dude. I think it's funny that you call it easel. Isn't that how you say it? I you think say easel. Everybody says easel, but I like that you say easel because it is an S. I think I say that because there's a meme somewhere of someone saying that. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Can I please talk about Galen or so? Yeah, and we got to wrap this up. I'm tired. Galen or so and Baller. Oh yeah. 
are Opposites. again <laughs> complete. I am a shadowy reflection. Oh yeah, dude. Weird coincidental mm. things in common, these two characters. Yeah. Both brilliant scientists. Both used by the enemy. Indeed. But obviously Galen Both meet a fiery end. Good life. guy. <laughs> Voller bad guy. Yeah. Um, but both involved with fascism. Yeah. Maybe he's all about maybe he's all about that commentary. It, yeah. it, I just when I thought about that, I was like That's cool. Oh my god. That's so wild. He's a poster child for anti fascist art. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> the fact that those two characters are weirdly similar but also opposites. Yeah. Um, is kind of interesting. And then, you know, obviously Han and Indy have a lot in common. Also um, oh my gosh. I just made this connection as well. You haven't even mentioned the arrow thing. Oh, oh no, we're getting to that. Please don't bring that up right now. That's oh, a whole... Oh, I, I just made a, such a good connection. I have a whole speech. Just put a pin in it. We're getting... I'm literally about to talk about it. The major theme there? of the movie, yes, is okay. oh. time. <laughs> okay. Time. Very important element of this movie. Literally starts out, you hear a clock ticking. There's clocks and gear references throughout the film. Uh, Indiana Jones now wears Henry Sr.'s watch. Voller's watch is uh, a little detail in the film. Um, he leaves it, or uh, Archimedes takes it off his wrist, and they later, well, time loop nonsense, but they later find it in the tomb, and he's wearing it. He Indy gets a retirement clock as a gift. And um, the Antikythera itself is a bunch of gears and is a clock of sorts. And Teddy's jersey with the 12 on it, I think, is probably a reference to a clock um, because I actually looked up who played on the Miami Dolphins in 1969 and wore a 12 jersey because I thought I was like, oh, maybe somebody's a really big fan of that player, which maybe they are. It is a famous guy. I already forgot it. Greasy, I think is his last name. Yeah. I don't sports ball. I don't know. I asked dad if he's famous and he said yes. So (laughs) I have to take his word for it. So, um, yeah, big major theme of the movie. Oh, I'm making a lot of connections right now. But, I'm really going to be upset if I don't remember. But here is something that was really cool. Um, Time's Arrow. Oh, I was going to make that connection, dude. You suck on the podcast. I'm sorry. Ooh, I, I actually did connection. some good research. I literally just thought of it and I looked it up to confirm my thoughts. Well. I'm upset. Okay, fine. We Boom. great minds think alike. <laughs> okay. But the arrow you is often used as a metaphor for yes. time. Yes. Being the asymmetry, asymmetry of time. Ace, the asymmetry of time oh, that it o- only flies forward. You can't go back. It only goes forward. So, little nods to this. The and how come I can't say this word? Antikythera, dude. Antikythera. When we first see it in 1969, Indy has it hidden in like his college's little um, storage unit. storage room. It's hidden under a box that has a bunch of arrowheads in it. And you actually see him lift that box up and underneath it is the Antikythera. That's cool. Yep. Then, um, obviously, the giant flying arrows at the Battle of Syracuse actually take down the Nazi plane and they bring one back with them. 
Mm-hmm. Colin, can, I thought I was like making this up in my head, but Colin says, no, nope, it's on the table. It's actually there. And he has yeah. other arrowheads. Yeah. Sitting around his apartment as well in a little display. Um, Archimedes kills the Roman with arrows or maybe it's his. Well, his guys. Yeah. His pal is <laughs> whoever. Yeah. And another thing that I thought of a space rocket. Looks like an arrow. Very arrow-like, and yeah. that it flies through the air, but they do come back. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, it's not unidirectional. They don't, but... I mean, the astronauts come back. Yeah, you know? I guess, yeah. So it's... um That brings me to the moon. Oh, come on, symbol. man. You're getting past my thing, though. Oh, go ahead if you had something All else. right, so... Also, the iconic, like, American symbol of an eagle holding an arrow and a fasces mm-hmm. under its claws. True. So, true, fascism. True. Yep. yep. Yep, yep, And an arrow. Two obvious things in this movie. True. This is true. Just a thought. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's true. Um, so, but, but what's interesting is that the arrow... Is a, is a symbol of time because it's time is asymmetrical in that it only flies in one direction, typically. Um, in this movie, not so. Yeah. However, <laughs> they get hit with a bunch of arrows. <laughs> yep. There's a war going on. An arrow is a weapon. Yep. You know, it just is. There is no other purpose to an arrow other than to kill something. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, and the theme of war, I don't even really know that it's a theme. Well, they even say Athena, the goddess of war. They even say that. And goddess of war, but also reason and wisdom. Okay, yeah. Interesting that she's both. It's sick. Yeah. Never understood that, quite honestly. It's kind of weird. But we have a through line from World War II to the Vietnam War where Indy loses his son. And then to the Battle of Syracuse, which almost ends his life. Mm-hmm. If it's not, if it wasn't for Helena, he'd be done. You know. Also, you were saying something about the moon. Oh yeah, well, because I was thinking about you know how a space rocket would travel in one direction, but then actually, oh wait, it does come back. Yeah. So the moon as a symbol is always loaded. If there's like a, some kind of visual theme, references over and over to the moon, yeah, you must pay attention because it <laughs> means you must something, yeah. And in this case, it actually means two. It's kind of like two different things because at the beginning of the movie, or when we get to 1969, obviously Indiana Jones is like had it. With the moon landing, okay? It's, like, enough already. Yeah. It's it's bothering him to no end because, to him, at the time, it just represents time marching on without him. All this stuff is going wrong in his life. He feels useless. He feels lost. He feels uh, like he's lost his family, his job that he's being – he's retiring – like, what on earth does he have left of his old self? Basically nothing. And to make it all worse, all of the stuff, like Harrison Ford even said, like, 
men have walked on the moon. There's the magical mystery tour is blaring out the window of his neighbor's apartment, oh, yeah. which hilarious they picked that song. It's yeah. so good because his whole life has been a magical mystery <laughs> tour, and he yeah. still stands there and, and says, "Shut up." I've seen a lot of things. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and he tells him to shut up. Turn the music down. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of funny, but um, the moon always represents. Also, they go into the ocean. Right. The, yeah. We haven't, I haven't talked about water in this whole yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, God. There's, there's no time. <laughs> there's so much water. No um, but it actually, water is related to the moon, obviously, because of the wave tides and whatnot. But w- the moon always represents feminine energy. It just does. And in this movie, like I've said before, Helena is his, is his anima. She's the one that gets him back to where he needs to be to the woman in his life mm-hmm. who's returned also. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. there's a but what's hilarious is like he's fighting it. He's just he's just so mad that this moon is such a big moon landing is taking all of the attention away you know he looks at that yeah. kid on the subway in his moon costume oh, yeah. and he's just kind of like ugh, you know rolling so his annoying. eyes like god you got could you think about something else for five minutes <laughs> yeah. he gets he gets dragged actually dragged into the middle of of the moon day parade yeah you know True. he's really just like fighting this every step of the way he also know? rides past the astronauts he rides past the astronauts. He, it's just, it's really, really interesting that they use the moon and iconography on that. Um, ooh, what's that thing called? Graphicos. Yeah. That they find, and then when they go into the ear of Dionys- Dionysius, there's that crescent shape of light with Hel. He's with Helena, like yeah, the moon. It just yeah. kind of all very nicely comes together. Yeah. And eventually, the moon ends up kind of being what saves him. His feminine, mm. per, you know, persona kind of saves him. Literally drags him back from the past, you know? Right, 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 yeah. Um, but also, the moon is very symbolic of the passage of time. Because we use the moon, they've used the moon for millennia to mark time like a calendar yeah so that folds right back into the whole time theme it's is this guys this is a good movie (laughs) there's there's one little issue i have with it it's minor i still don't understand why he is not arrested for murder when he comes back but you know i'm sure they'll figure that out (laughs) i'm sure they'll figure that out but i think Okay, what what did you have that you um, didn't want to forget to say, or did you already say it? I already said it. Oh, okay. You're just mad at me because I already had a whole thing written down about Time Zero. You know, you're going to be mad about it? Yeah. But you came up with St. Helen. I know, you're right, you're right, you're right. I'm or, holding on to that you one. You are? You should. It was really good. Yeah. I'm ashamed that I didn't look her up. I'm not a good... Catholic knowledge, baby. I'm not a good researcher. Catholic school. So... The I think the whole the whole 
purpose of this movie, like Harrison Ford said, was to show us that this man is starting this movie at the bottom and he needs to as old people kind of often do i'm i think i'm 51 i qualify <laughs> okay um they need to be practically dragged into understanding sometimes that you cannot change your past the past is the past this is facts bad stuff happens guys Bad stuff happened to Indiana Jones, too. And even though we love him and he's a hero and all of that, um, and we loved young Indiana Jones running around. We did. Being Indiana Jones, that time has come and passed. Mm. And the point of this movie was clearly not to watch Harrison Ford running around <laughs> yeah. like he did when he was 35. But even if that's what people are upset about, bro, there are... Let me count. Let me count. Give me a second. The action No, pieces? just give me a second. He's making faces. He's thinking really hard. There are <laughs> like three and a half. No, wait. Yeah, three and a half car chases in this movie. Yeah, that's what I was about. That's what I was saying. There's so, so much if action. Somebody's upset about him not running around. Like, dude, three and a half. He can still drive. Car chases, a plane chase, <laughs> a train sequence, a boat sequence. How is that not enough? <laughs> like, actually, and there's even that whole thing that happens in Tangier, like at the casino, which is a great. There's scene. a that's running around. Like he's running around. He's like doing stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what people are talking about. I never for a second felt like he was moving too slow. No. Not for a second. No, 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 no. It was perfect. It was perfectly paced. I agree. Um, and we and we get that very unusual Indiana Jones scene where he's talking about the death of his son. Yeah, dude. I was not expecting. Like, like, I did not expect that. Like, am I feeling something for my at right all? Am I know. I, I saw somebody say, I can't believe. I can't How believe they made me feel something for Mutt. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, did not talk about the brilliant J Dubs. I know we haven't do marking his putting his mark on the um, Battle of Syracuse. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the whole time theme, go Colin. Oh, you really make me do this when I am this tired an hour and a half into this podcast episode. But basically there's, well, how do I even start this? What do I even do? Let me set the scene. Yeah. We see this movie for the first time. He starts, you know, we watch the credits as you all better do also. People walking out early, not listening to J-dubs. Credits? Are we you talking crazy? about the credits? After the credits, oh. you were like... Oh my God! He's the goat. He's the He's goat. He's the goat. <laughs> Battle of Syracuse. Metric modulation. Metric modulation. It's I'm so like, cool. Please speak English. <laughs> I don't know what metric modulation is. Whatever, He's like, well, man. well, you know what modulation is, right? I'm like, yeah, it's when when a when a song like. All right, I got it. Goes up a step. All right, let me go. A, I segue. Okay. So basically, there are modulation is a word used in music, right? If you want to be fancy, tell your friends. <laughs> but basically. 
thing different things can modulate. There can be there can be a metric modulation, there can be a tempo modulation, or there can be a key uh 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 key modulation. Yeah. Which is the same thing as like key change. Like everyone always talks about key changes. Yeah. The key changed, like from A major to C minor or whatever. Whatever. But when we get to like talking about rhythm and tempo, we're talking about time, obviously. Tempo, time, you know. Um, the time signature at the beginning of a piece of music is That metric. is like, yeah. Yeah, like, so if, you know, like, if four, I'm going, time, if I'm going three, like four one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, then it's like in four, right? Four, it's four. grouped into four. You're interrupting me. I'm just but, but trying I'm to explaining. help. I'm explaining. I, I got it. I teach seven-year-olds. So. I understand. But, um. But you also said I'm not sure where to start, so. Well, no, I, I, <laughs> I'm helping. I'm going. So so in the in the Battle of Syracuse, the, the the music that plays during that sequence is actually in the soundtrack called the Battle of Syracuse. So I'm gonna use those interchangeably. But um basically it starts off kind of like you know, it starts off with a tempo, it starts off in a meter, it starts off in a key, you know, we can think of it like that. It's basically at home, right? It's in its own place. It's playing, it's going, it's rocking, it's really good. And then I believe I'm trying to remember what moment it is in the movie. That would be nice if I could remember what happens when it modulates. But basically there's a point when the music, the, the, I, now, now I'm down to myself and I'm wondering if it's a tempo modulation instead, but basically like the music has a feel, a time feel, like you just feel that groove. Right. Mm-hmm. And then that groove in a moment, like instantaneously, becomes a different groove that fits within itself. That is what a time modulation is, or metric modulation, if that's what you want to call it. It's really hard to actually explain. I don't even think a teacher explained it to me. I think it's generally something you have to feel. Like, it's just a feeling of, like, the bottom dropping out, but, like, like you lose it for a second. You're, like, confused. It gets faster all of a sudden, but you're like, oh, wait, no, this still grooves to the same. Like, I can still bob my head, you know, to this, the same exact way. Right. You know, but the so here's another example. Let's try it out. We can experiment. Ready? This is gonna be cool. No, I can't do this. No, this is gonna be cool. Oh, please do no. this. <laughs> no, just snap your fingers. Okay, so I can say this is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, right? Yeah, so it's like one and two and three and four and one and two. I can snap along. This hurts. <laughs> one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four, right? Mm-hmm. We understand. We understand. So there's the one I accent. It's right there. But what if instead of thinking of this as eighth notes, which is what these are, like one and two and no, I can't explain all of music in 20 seconds. Sorry. <laughs> But so these are subdivisions. Why not? These are divisions, right? I did this first. Yeah. Now I'm dividing it into two. Each beat. Uh-huh. Right? But what if instead of thinking of these as one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one. What if we do that? I'm still doing this. I did not change this at all. You hear the snaps? I did not change that. But I'm counting it differently. One, two, three, four, one, two, three. What if I do this? One, two, three, four, one. Now we're feeling it like triplets. It's like swung now. Yeah. But I didn't change anything, really. I just changed how I was counting it. 
That's how. That's what a metric modulation is. Okay. Does that make sense? And you believe there is a there is during the, the time this, travel yeah, yeah, yeah. segment of the movie. Yes. J Dubs does. There that. is like a modulation in the music, which is literally changing and modulating the time of the music, which is obviously in parallel to the fact that they are changing time. You know what I mean? Okay. Like they're changing times. So when traveling we, back when time. we go see this movie for a, <clears throat> excuse me for a third time, Figure I want you is, to yeah. shake me. You always bother me while we're watching movies anyway, but yeah. I'm giving you permission this time. Grab me and go, there it was, and see if I'm paying mm. attention and can notice it. I mean, I can play it right now, but... No, it's okay. Okay. Um, it's very noticeable. Like, the music picks up. It's really fast. It sounds super intense, but if you keep counting, can, it's the same. Can you... I mean, it's on the soundtrack, right? This yeah. track. Yeah. You can hear it yourself. Okay. So, listen to that track. There's, I believe there's, like, a timpani roll. It. Like, everything kind of gets calm for a second, and there's a big timpani roll. And mm-hmm. out of that, you're in this new place all of a sudden. So anyway. Fascinating. In conclusion, J-Dubs. He was genius. on his bag. Yeah. yeah. He he really, really. And not to mention, pulls out the uh, harpsichord. Yeah. I think it's a harpsichord. I am always weaning. I think it's like a genuine harpsichord. Like ones that don't have keys. Like that oh. are string plucked Ooh. harpsichords. Interesting. I think. Because that but would not... be very antiquated. Yeah. Sounding. It's like, bruh. That's like before Bach. It's really a long time ago. And like the the, I don't know if the actual mode of music changes, but it oh, sounds... there's church modes in that dog. Yeah, okay. There are Picardy thirds and church modes. That's a big deal during the Archimedes. Yeah, like that really like sacred music sounding yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like the equivalent of like the Ark music in this movie, basically. Right. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different feel than the rest of the entire score. Yeah. For sure. Um, but the sound effects in this movie were probably the best sound effects I've heard. Yeah, he was pretty much losing it over the sound effects. Dude, every what? sound was great. Between, it was good. Between the two of us, we were both losing it the entire time, but over complete, we covered the gamut, the whole basically. Gamut. Yeah. Because I was losing it over the acting, the casting, the costumes, the costumes and you were losing this it. This is what happens the, every time. Well, I was losing it over the music too. But. Also, I liked how the cinematography itself changes when they teleport. Like everything's lit yeah, differently. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they is. used a different camera, too, because it kind of had like a different texture to it. Could be. Could be. Yeah, that'd be cool. But. Um, in conclusion, this movie's really good, and it's just a good movie. Well, see, this is my question for actually it's, for you. It's a great Indiana Jones movie. This is my question for you. This is the one I've been wanting to ask on the podcast. What? Maybe we can end it after this, though. It's a good way to end. But do you think this is a good movie? Not a good Indiana Jones movie. Do you think this is a good movie? That's what I just said. You know? Yeah, I do. Because really all you have to do to please me is write a tightly written, thematically interesting metaphorically interesting script without major logic flaws. And I understand that we're talking about this is a time loop messing with your head type (laughs) of a plot, but we're used to this at this point. People have been making time travel movies now for many, many years and decades. So we're used to it. We're used to like, but wait, if... Archimedes saw the plane. Wouldn't that have changed history? Well, no, because he already saw the plane. The movie. 
Because <laughs> this is the universe. But he now. already <laughs> saw the plane because it's on the freeze on his tomb, and it didn't yeah. change history. But wait, it did. But wait, it didn't. Well, we could say that, like, <laughs> okay, what if in, like, 50 years from now, someone went back in time and showed, like, Genghis Khan a gun? We're still here. So this is it. Right. So apparently this, <laughs> this is, is how it played out. This yeah. is how it played out. Exactly. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's a, that is a, that is, what do you call it? Uh, paradox. Par- no, like a red herring argument or something like that. Oh, but it is, it is, is it is the time travel paradox. I guess. And I, and I, you know, when, when Helena says, well, I couldn't leave you there because you would have changed history. She's actually wrong yeah. because she wasn't going to leave her there. She anyway. wasn't yeah. going to leave him there. Yeah. And he, she didn't leave him there. That's okay. And so it's, it's whatever. But, but um, the magnificent, the, 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 uh, the magnitude of that moment in the film, though, I think overcome, over <sighs> surpasses the like flaw. Yeah. Can we just like talk about that scene for just a Oof. second? Like his acting. No, I mean that whole ending, the whole thing. I'm like, what's going on <laughs> the, his acting oh it's so good at the battle of syracuse it's so good i really thought he was gonna stay i did too he dude sold i it. was i was prepared i was getting ready to to ball ball my eyes out <laughs> are you yeah. telling me i have to watch, watch luke yeah. skywalker han solo princess <laughs> leia same lifetime. and indiana jones die on my watch that's crazy that's not okay. And oh my God, when she punched him, absolutely perfect. It's so funny, dude. Perfect. It's so good. That is what she would do. <laughs> it is. It is. That is what she would do. The whole movie is leading up to that moment. It is. Yeah. And their connection and how he thinks he has nothing to live for. And she's like, you are so stupid. Yes, you do. And just wait. And you're going to see how much you have to live for. And I don't care what anybody says, ending this movie with him and Marion could not have been a better choice. It's so choice. good. Could not have been a better choice. Like, I just... Is Marion the fourth movie? Am I an idiot? Isn't she the one yeah, who's with him yeah. the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. She's okay. in it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't think of them as numbers. Like, Star Wars, I immediately know the number of a Star Wars movie, but... Indiana well, Jones. I gotta start I, talking about it like that. There's five movies. Indiana Jones. I just don't think in terms of one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> Silly, bro. I know. I guess I have That's to now because doofy. I keep getting confused. But um, I just, I, I, I almost cried. You cried. I remember. No, I almost cried during the Battle of Syracuse when she, when I thought he was gonna stay and die. Yeah. I almost cried until, and then that's why that's why that moment is so great. Like I was ready to ball, and then she hit him, and I was laughing like yeah. immediately. It was so good. It's so good, dude. Um, so yeah, there's big no way, feelings felt in that movie. There was no way I was making it through the scene of them in the kitchen with Marion's theme playing. Yeah, of course. There was I, no chance. But also, like, like having to understand the fact that like it's so Spielberg, this movie. Even though it's not Spielberg. But it's very his style of like, like he wants you to feel every emotion in his movies. Mm-hmm. Like stress, you're scared, you're sad, you're happy, you're like relieved, like like so many feel. There's like a lot of emotions in this movie. And I think that's why it felt so different because it felt like human, like superhuman of a movie. You know what I mean? I think that's what. Um, it did everything. Why it felt so different. Yeah. Because it was, it had those more charactery, deep moments like a man gold. Yeah. yeah, I guess yeah. 
thing would have. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would love in a parallel universe to see Spielberg's version of this movie. I'm not going to say I don't want to see it because I kind of do. But I feel same, like it would be like this. Same script, though. I feel like it would be similar, dude. Well, you know, he has his Spielbergy way of lighting a scene oh, the, and oh. lighting faces oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. and all okay. of that. All right. Perhaps. And it's beautiful and it's great. Like West Side Story. Yeah. I'm maybe the only person on earth that didn't love, love that movie, but I can't say anything about the direction. The direction was absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. So I'm a little, James Mangold did a great job. Yeah. But I would like in a um, parallel universe to see (laughs) the Spielberg version just maybe once. All right. Also. And the other thing I hear a lot of people talking, we can end on this weirder story. This one or Crystal Skull? <laughs> I think Crystal Skull. I know Crystal Skull. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because, like, this it's one gotta makes be sense, Crystal dude. Skull. The story makes sense. It does, as much as you maybe don't think so. I mean, they took, they took some liberty with they the... Ar- jo- they did their job. They took some liberties with the Archimedes building, the the, the clocky thing. I'm not even going to try yeah, to but say like, it's not in rea- It's not a real universe. <laughs> no, no, no. I understand. But what I'm saying is, and we talked about this, this is based on math. Yeah. They say it a bunch of times. Yeah. Voller says it. This is nothing more than math. Yeah. This, this is not faith-based. Mm-hmm. This is not magic. Yeah. This is math. Uh-huh. And... Like, that's cool. Math just proved... That we're all living in a universe Uh-oh. with a crazy gravitational web of whatever permeating our bodies that we can't see. <laughs> and, now, and now we can use that to measure stuff instead of light. Yeah. And that is, you're going to tell me that's not wild? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. The fact that black holes exist in this universe alone. There's an it's awful crazy. lot of stuff in this universe that's weird and yeah. wild and wacky, and it's all math-based. Yep. So Magic's not real, dog. You know, who knows? There could be fissures in time. We don't know. Yeah. There's crazy stuff going on yeah. in this universe. Yeah. Possibly parallel universes are real. Oh, yeah. Who knows? So that, to me, is way less crazy than interdimensional aliens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That is wild, you know? Yeah. That somebody, I don't know who came up with that, but not saying I don't like that movie. It is fun. Um, but yeah, if we're, if we're going to have a contest over the wildest MacGuffin, it's definitely not this one, in my opinion. Yeah. We agree. Yeah, Good. I agree. Good. We don't have to have, have a fist fight about it. It's not night time. Okay, so just... Uh, Colin sleeps on the podcast. That's the special oh, edition. God. Colin's I would sleeping. love to have one episode where you're not falling asleep. <laughs> just one. Well, then don't record at 1 a.m. Mm. That was not you my fault. You crazy. Um, so, big preview coming next week. Oh, yeah. We read a book, everybody. Woo! And I read it first. We read... I read the book first. He did. He finished before me. And I and she needed me to really read it. 
That's not true. She listened to it on an audiobook like a loser. Like a loser. That's not true. But we both read The Light. Is it Light of the Jedi? It's just Light of the Jedi, right? Yeah. By Charles Sewell. I'm so proud of us that we're finally starting High Republic books. I think I read that thing in like a week. On Friday, we will be joined. We will. By our friend Sarah from Friends of the Force, who, in my opinion, is a High Republic expert. Mm. She reads a lot, and she's I'm ready to be educated. I'm ready to be educated too. I hope she knows that. (laughs) I hope she knows. I mean, anything's good. She's gonna be explaining. I don't know anything, bro. I don't either. So, um, but that's gonna be really, really fun because we're gonna have a special guest, um cover and that's basically that series is called let me see if i can remember what i called it oh man the late and lazy high republic book club (laughs) okay because we are both late this is a two-year-old book yep and we are lazy because we don't read very much yeah so but we really really want to get into this series before acolyte comes out because i think it'll be helpful yeah to have and plus, this book was really good, guys. I don't know, like two two years late, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you read it. I don't know. You should. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and also this week, this is exciting. Um, I'm going to I get to be on What the Force. I'm so excited with Marie Claire Gould. We're going to be talking Whoa. about um one of she's doing a series of Underworld um episodes, and we're going to be talking about caves and Star Wars. Oh boy. So get the ready. The big kahuna topic. For, <laughs> the big kahuna topic. Wooms, wooms, wooms. Are you going to talk about that book? Which book? The one that is like from the perspective of the cave. Oh, no. Because it's. Oh, yeah. <gasps> I forgot about that. That could be your thing. That's not canon, though. Who cares? You know dude? what? You know what? I'll Are bring you it. I'll, I'll ask her if she wants to talk about that because I completely forgot about that. That is like one of the coolest story. things ever. It really, really is actually. You can't not do that. Totally forgot about that one. Yeah. But um, look forward to that. And so, why is it not canon? Who says it's not canon? Well, those short stories. They Until really told though. Hmm. You were never told that they're not canon, were you? I think we kind of are told they're not canon, but oh. Who cares? Like they're really good anyway. Yeah, dude. And um, yeah, maybe maybe we'll talk about that one. And also, what's been going on recently is Colin is finally watching Star Wars Rebels. Oh yeah. So we are going to be covering <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, and yes, I am aware that Sky Talkers is also revisiting Rebels. Are you serious? Just a coincidence. I already talked to Charlotte and Caitlin. I'm like, oh, okay. guys, are we about to? Guys, are we beefing? <laughs> I'm ready, dude. I'm in. We're not beefing. They're okay, okay. lovely. I'm joking. They are our friends. We love them. But I just did think it was funny. Like, Dang. I really need to tell them we're also going to be talking about Rebels because I don't well, want them to think anything is up. I'm sure theirs but, is going to be much more of a positive series than ours is. Well, they're just doing a recap. Like, they've both watched Rebels oh. many times. They love it. It's their favorite. It's we still fun. haven't done the movies, dog. But Colin has never watched Rebels all the way through in, to the point where he didn't even know Bo-Katan was on it, guys. <laughs> Straight up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Straight up did not know. But so far, I'd have to say I feel like he is enjoying it. He exclaims Dog and dude, I didn't know it, this happened. I'm gonna give it out of ten. Currently, so far, I'm like halfway through the third yeah. season, or maybe a little less. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a seven. Just wait. 
It's coming. It's coming for your neck. I know, though. Season I've four. seen the stuff. I've I seen know, but, the good stuff. But you need to see it, like, all strung together, like, thematically okay, okay, okay. and stuff. Anyway, that's what we have cooking this summer. Um, and I'm any... revising my capstone score Oh, again. my God. The capstone never it's ends. It's never over. <laughs> <laughs> the capstone will never it's, be over. It's, it's halfway done, too. There's a whole other half. Ugh. But I'm not doing that after this summer. No. Um, but, but he would I, as soon as he gets revised. Yeah, baby. You're posting that up so people can see it. Factual. Do you know how many people have asked me to see that? The capstone? Yeah. Oh, I can. It could be posted up as the current version. Oh, you don't care? Not really. I mean, that's the version I'm used to, and I kind of like it. So. Oh, okay. I mean, it's for the sound effects, though, dude. Like the music's fine, but guys, guys, <laughs> like we know what the music is, okay? But you don't know what the sound is. Sounds exciting. I guess, but I'm very much looking forward to a. A, a better quality yeah. orchestral sound. I just hope it know? turns out well. So far, it's all right. I got through all the woodwinds. I got through the first two horns. A lot more brass to go, obviously. A lot of percussion to go. And then all the strings, so. Okay. Not really. I'm like I'm like a eighth of the way done, so to be we, honest. We got a lot of Star Wars going on in this house this summer. So that's, yeah. That's suffice to say. Yeah. So um, if you want to reach out to us while Twitter is still working. Is it still working? It's still working. Okay, because people are saying it's not. Hanging on by dramatic. fingernails. Um, but uh, I'm on Twitter at FreyAjacent, the... Show handle is at unknown reach pod for sure. Out of desperation, I have opened a TikTok account Woo. for the show. Um, you can find it, I believe it's at unknown regions podcast on TikTok. Haven't posted anything because I haven't had to yet, but um, it is there if you want to follow us. Um, in anticipation of us posting something, we started an Instagram account. Someone else has. At podcast. I and do. No. Yeah. No, it's somebody else. Really? Well, yeah. there is another Unknown Regions podcast. Yeah, but they haven't been active for like a million billion years. Oh. Like, take it down. Come on. <laughs> so okay. over there, we are, I believe, at Unknown Regions Pod. Because that's... Why do you keep changing the name? All, like, I didn't have a choice. What if you just make it Unknown Regions Pod for everything? I don't know. Because if you just type in unknown regions podcast it's gonna come up i would imagine it's in some way or, or just urp but i um i linked those on our twitter accounts so if if you before twitter actually completely ceases to exist uh, if you want to find that little post i made or a little tweet i made and then you can find the links to our new accounts which so far we haven't done anything with but yeah probably will be in in the future yeah. Um, Colin is on Instagram at I forget at Colin underscore <laughs> MJ underscore Whitlick. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess that's it. Colin, do you have anything else to add? No. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, whoops. Hey, Colin. Hey. Oh, <laughs> you clipped. See you around, kid. Bye. <laughs>
The introductory theme for Unknown Regions podcast was composed by Colin Whitlick and was performed live by a volunteer orchestra. This recording and composition is the intellectual property of Colin Whitlick, but please feel free to hire him for all your compositional needs. He is the composer you're looking for. All the opinions expressed on Unknown Regents podcast are of a personal nature and in no way reflect that of Disney or Lucasfilm. Thanks again for listening. See you real soon.